interesting because theoretically every market consolidates over time. And then now we're starting to see this finally happen in something that's quite fundamental, which is the e-commerce layer, which is part of the iron triangle that people talk about. Jack Ma said about developing markets is like the three pillars of the iron triangle is like fintech, e-commerce, and logistics. So I think we're seeing consolidation finally really happen in the e-commerce space. Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Au, venture capitalist, Sarah founder, Harvard MBA, science fiction nerd, and dad of two daughters. Every week, we debate startup news, interview changemakers, answer listener questions, and share personal insights. Join our movement of over 40,000 members and get transcripts, resources, and community at www.bravesea.com. Stay well and stay brave. Are you a business owner, CFO, or engineering lead who's tired of grappling with outdated finance processes? Are you frustrated at the high costs of card payments or find yourself bogged down by manual financial tasks? It's time for a change. Meet Acme Technology. Our software enables you to connect directly with your bank of choice to automate all of your finance and payments processes. Enjoy real-time reconciliation and direct-to-bank payments and payouts. No lengthy integration. Transform your banking experience into a Stripe-like experience, all with easy integration through streamlined APIs. Learn more at www.try. A-C-M-E.com. Hey, morning, Shuyin. Good morning, Jeremy. Good to see you. Excited to kind of discuss the TikTok shop deal with uh, ByteDance, GoTo regarding Tokopedia in Indonesia. Before we start, I just want to give a quick shout out to Jeff Lonsdale for giving us some feedback regarding chess and how it's a deterministic game. So I just want to say we totally agree with you about how it's a domain of compute that computers have figured out pretty early and pretty quickly. Do you play chess, Jeremy? Uh, not myself, but my brother brother-in-law plays a lot of chess. He's good at chess, apparently. I just, I signed my kids up for chess. Oh, why are you teaching them a skill that computers have dominated? Well, so far, you know, they're small, so they're not at the level where <laughs> it matters yet. I think I'm mostly interested in it for like teaching kids executive function, like making yeah. a plan. As you may know, small children are not really good at making plans. And so just having the exercise of, hey, like what's going on here? If I thought one step ahead or two step ahead, what do I think might happen? is like a good exercise and any excuse to like help them learn how to like sit still and focus for longer periods of time is kind of what I'm into. So shockingly, they both enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, wow. It was a bit of an experiment. I wasn't sure. And so I'll make a plug if anyone wants their kids to learn how to play chess. It is possible. And there's a great company called Chess at Three that teaches kids from three years up how to play chess. It is in United Square, though, which is definitely a negative. But <laughs> it's a kid friendly mall. <laughs> Have you been to United Square? It's a zoo. Yeah, I was just there a, just uh, last night for dinner. It's a frenzy of children. And then they've got those stupid like mechanical animals driving around trying to knock you over it's just it's too much but once you get inside and you play chess it's very calm but the mall i detest it's an agglomeration of all things that kids want so it's a kids wonderland right no i mean yeah it's 
like kids one is not necessarily like parents one, I guess. But yeah, lots you're, of kids you're all hanging there. out in the yakut drinking coffee, waiting for your child to finish their class or whatever. Yeah. On that note, talking about businesses, we want to talk a little bit about the recent TikTok shop deal that was just announced. It was a surprise for many folks, and a lot of folks were busy digesting what the news meant and how it was going. So I figured we should talk a little bit about it in three stages. I think first of all, we'll talk about it in terms of the mechanics of the deal. So what are the facts? Secondly, you know, we'll talk a little bit about the motivations and the context for the deal. And then lastly, we'll talk about looking ahead, who we think the winners, the losers, what we should think about ahead. And on that note, I just want to say a quick shout out to Momentum Works for Jiangan, who was previously on the podcast. Check out his episode. I did a lot of the analysis as well as Freeman Ding as well, who has provided a lot of the point of view on this as well. On that note, Shiyan, what do you think about the overall deal first? Well, it seems like a pretty, well, I don't know. It seems the parties all got what they wanted. So if we had to go through the various parties, I think we had covered this a few months ago on the band the social media app ban that had shut down TikTok shops operations in Indonesia. So I think that was something that TikTok was trying to solve. I think anyone who's ever reviewed the financials of GoTo, you know, saw people trying to put a positive spin on negative contribution margins, being not as terrible as they used to be, but still negative. And so I think, right, I think if you think about all the stakeholders, TikTok got a way to get their store up and running. GoTo gets to narrow their focus on the ride share and financial services business while offloading a loss making operation. And I don't know, maybe the powers that be got a face saving way to um, allow TikTok to operate, but in a way that uh, helps a national champion survive better. Is yeah. that too cynical, perhaps? <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the facts of the deal. Took a little bit of math by all the various parties and to put some numbers there, ByteDance is spending about $500 million of cash to get 75% equity control and therefore merge Tokopedia and TikTok Indonesia shop and then go to become a passive 25% minority shareholder. But what's interesting is that they have an anti-dilution clause, so they will not be required to fund the company moving forward. And so, and as a result, ByteDance has also committed to investing further $1 billion into the ongoing operations of the combined entity. But for that quantum to come in, it will actually not dilute GoTo's stake as well. So in other words, Tokopedia has become spun out effectively from GoTo to a company that's going to be led by ByteDance. So it's going to be a very interesting you can say acquisition or merger of these two business units. Yeah. Or it's just buying the right to play, right? Yeah. I mean, lots of different ways to think about it. I thought this was interesting was you and I were doing some research on this. And if you look at the Indonesia market, what is the total kind of quantum? And what's interesting is that there are six major players in, in the Indonesia e-commerce space, right? So there's Shopee with 36% at about 19 billion USD GMV. There's Tokopedia with about 35% at 18 billion. Then Lazada at 10% at 5 billion. Bukalapak at 10% at 5 billion USD. And then TikTok Shop had 5% around 2.5 billion. And then Libli had 4% at around 2 billion. So I think it's a nice way to think about the market share. And so this combined entity, basically you had Tokopedia, which was, you can say, a tight for first place effectively, but at negative contribution margins, now merge with TikTok Shop. And now that means the combined entity effectively would be the market leader, 40%. And TikTok Shop was growing really fast as well. So it's interesting that they basically brought in a growth engine and a new way to compete that's really autogonal to how Shopee has been approaching the market as well. Because Shopee and Tokopedia look very similar, right? In terms of their approach, their user experience. But TikTok Shop is actually a very different growth level with its own distribution in terms of go-to-market, live streaming, lower cost of 
acquisition because everybody's using TikTok. So it's a quite interesting competitive machine dynamic to play out. It's smart. It's a yeah. smart deal. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of like how the new management operates it and whether they can control kind of the burn and to leverage some of these cheaper customer acquisition mechanisms. Because I do think like CAC is part of it, but I think you know, there is just logistics as well. And that always contributes to the cost of these these businesses. I mean, it makes sense for TikTok, right? Because you, you start out with this fast growth business. You had not been allowed to proceed. Batna effectively is zero because you're not allowed to operate. And then now you're not only allowed to continue to operate, but now you've onboarded basically millions of sellers onto your platform as well. So you can cross-sell your TikTok. That also builds out your fundamental business in terms of the entertainment side as well. Because now you're adding more products, more commercialization, more interesting content that's going to be coming out. And then you also build out your logistics space, right? Because the Tokopedia has a logistics space that TikTok shop, I mean, it's just, you just get to spread out your cost of logistics as well. So definitely a big win for TikTok. And like you said, I think it's also a win for Tokopedia, right? Because from GoTo's perspective, they've been narrowing the loss in terms of the contribution margin over time, over the past four quarters, I mean, very aggressive about improving that. But this definitely helps them bring more cash into the overall GoTo entity, but also it lets them have 25% of what could potentially become the new market leader, right? Or the dominant player. So there's a very interesting play here. Yeah. Reminds me of the Uber decision to exit the Singapore market in Southeast Asia. And then they basically say, look, rather than have effectively half or one third of the market in a dog-eat-dog kind of like very negative contribution margin market, I'd rather have a minority stake in a higher CM, more market power structure, right? And so- Yeah, uh, concentrate, Uber, yeah. concentrate on my core, right? Exactly, right? So Uber sold to Grab and then Grab pretty much took that position in a lot of core markets, especially Singapore, which is an important high contribution margin market, which is very important because there are very few cash cows in terms of markets across Southeast Asia. Yeah, it was a fun, it's a fun times. I mean, I, I think also just more consolidation makes sense, right? This isn't the only space in which I think ideally, if you look at sectors that have been funded and have a lot of well-funded, fairly large companies, I, I do think consolidation is probably in order. Yeah. So let's talk about what it means for the strategic context. What does it mean for the future? So I think this obviously is not good news for the other players in the market, right? So obviously you have Shopee that was previously in the lead and now your number two competitor effectively it has a second wind with a new growth engine. So I think that's going to be a huge amount of dynamic. And I think we talked about it on a past podcast, Shien, right? Because C Group has already been signaling for the past two quarters that they expect to invest a lot more and moving away from profitability into a competition mode because I think they probably saw this coming on the mark, writing on the wall here. I think Lazada also previously just got announcement for another 600 capital injection from Alibaba Group. Everybody's kind of like gearing up for another round of competition. It's good for Indonesian consumers. These are the winners, right? That's true. There's a lot of capital. I mean, it's like back in the Uber versus Grab versus Gojek days, right? There was a lot of subsidies flowing from the competition dynamic. Yeah, so I think for Lazada and Shopee, who are also market leaders, now you have a sort of combined entity to go fight against, who, as you pointed out, is like a little bit orthogonal, right? They're not competing on the same. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think also just like in the rideshare business, I think if you're Grab, you're like, oh, well, now I have a more focused competitor I'd go to. They sort of shed one of their big loss making businesses and now they can kind of double down on the rideshare and the financial services. So I think that's probably impacted Grab. How about Bukalapak? They're the other sort of Indonesian native marketplace that could have potentially been a partner to TikTok. 
Yeah, I think definitely they're going to be in a tough time because they don't have uh, entity or cash cow businesses in adjacent parts of the conglomerate to process them. They will have to raise capital from a local stock exchange. It does feel like it is a good shot, honestly. You can imagine all the other players in the market will be like, hey, should we acquire slash merge with Bukalapak? I mean, the same math is going to happen, which is, hey, right now you have a combined entity. Can we bolt on this acquisition and get more market power as well? So I'm sure that's what every MA team is having that conversation is like including I'm sure go to a TikTok must be having that conversation as well yeah so it's a fun time yeah because Bukalapak only is 10% right and then if Tokopedia right now that combined entity is 40% Shopee's at 36% Lazada is 10% but DC is a cash injection so you're basically like the only person who doesn't I don't know no sugar uh, daddy oh wow that's one way to put it yes indeed so yeah I think it'll be an interesting set of decisions they're gonna make I guess Blibli as well that's 4% as well probably has the same strategic dynamic with uh, Book Love Out as well. Have you ever bought anything on TikTok shop? Jeremy. I have not yet, actually. Valerie Vu, another brave co-host, has previously bought like vitamins and other stuff from TikTok shop. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've definitely bought stuff on Instagram shop before. The small two dads impulse purchases, but not yet on TikTok, actually. And it's surprising because I but then again, of course, you know, there's a lot of the live streaming stuff's like a lot of it's like clothes oriented or stuff like that. So maybe I'm just not the target market, you know. I look forward to my first TikTok shop purchase. Algorithm, you heard me. I want to buy something at TikTok shop. What are they <laughs> gonna show you jeremy another black t-shirt come on <laughs> you're not ga- electronic or i don't know fidget spin some kind of like doodad a motivational poster maybe what else do you think is gonna be for the future as well so obviously like you said i think it's a fair point i think indonesian consumers continue to benefit for sure because you have more capital coming in and i think it's interesting because competition not only through subsidies but also through the formats right so i guess indonesian consumers gonna see a lot more live streaming uh, uh because I'm sure Shopee, everybody's just going to start, Lazada is going to start trying to generate some sort of TikTok-like competitor slash capability. So I think that'll be another thing that we'll probably see happen. Well, I've got a portfolio company for you. If you want to <laughs> implement live streaming, check out <laughs> Shop Lives. They do, uh, you know, the backend APIs, they actually power a lot of e-com in Korea. Yeah, um, oh, very and So nice. rather than having to build it out yourself, you can just call some APIs and plug it right in. So are you appealing to investors? Are you appealing to the M&A teams? <laughs> oh, I'm talking to product teams. Anybody who wants to implement live streaming and live selling capabilities into your app or whatever audiences you have, check it out. Shop live. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it would be also be interesting to talk about what else is there for winners and losers. I thought Momentum Works did a great job. I think they talked a little bit about how Indian businesses are also an interesting category. So obviously those that are early adopters will kind of benefit from TikTok shop and then those who are not yet on the platform, they had to either get on it or they were going to fall behind. So I think it's an interesting behavior shift I think we're going to see. I mean, it's exciting. It is funny that all of this is so consumer driven. I mean, technically it's a B2B shift, right? Historically, people have not figured out how to do B2B SaaS, for example. But if TikTok and the entire e-commerce platform really transitions the whole SME space, I think it'd be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. What other losers are there? I think what's interesting is that Grab obviously has to focus as well because the business effectively has received a cash injection through the sale of Tokopedia. So we have a more focused team, just got more capital. So it'll be 
interesting to see how that plays out as well. Well, I think the Momentum Works folks suggested an intriguing possibility, which is can they just buy over? If they're willing to divest Toko, are they willing to divest Gojek? And then Goto just is the financial services entity left behind. And then you end the competition. I don't know whether the Indonesias would allow that type of more type of structure. Yeah, I mean, I think people forget that SoftBank actually had, used to have stakes in both Gojek as well as Grab and they really wanted this merger to happen years and years ago. And then it was Grab that said no to this merger because they felt they could focus and keep growing the business. Yeah. So interesting times. Interesting times indeed. But yeah, I think that there's a lot of synergies that will happen, right? Obviously. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I would like for people to write in if they have bought something on TikTok shops and share their experience. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I also like what Momentum kind of said, you know, hey, we think that is good for Tokopedia employees because their company was losing market share slowly. But now you have new leadership, part of a larger team. Yeah. I mean, I think people can sense when things are in decline, right? Yeah. People start trit and then that kind of sets off like a negative morale spiral. And so I think that can be very challenging. So if we fast forward this story like five years, 10 years, how do you think this plays out. As in who's the winner? I mean, you know, I think it's interesting because theoretically every market consolidates over time. And then now we're starting to see this finally happen in something that's quite fundamental, which is the e-commerce layer, which is part of the iron triangle that people talk about. Jack Ma said about developing markets is like the three pillars of the iron triangle is like fintech, e-commerce, and logistics. So I think we're seeing consolidation finally really happen in the e-commerce space. I'm just kind of curious how you think this continues to play out. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there probably should be some consolidation in the logistics logistics. I guess it just doesn't seem like a great business while you still have this competitive dynamic driving lack of pricing power. It's an interesting question, which is, do you get a better flywheel between TikTok shops and Toko? Or do you get a better flywheel between Shopee, Garena, that sort of high margin gaming translating into commerce plus their own sort of financial service wallet type of thing? Like who's got the better mousetrap? It's a good, it's a good question. You know, you just made me think of two things. First of all, I think is that we've historically not really seen much region M&A. And I think this would be an interesting milestone where we may see more strategic M&A capabilities being built out in terms of teaming slash workflows. And for example, one thing I think about is would someone buy Kumu, for example, or other live stream slash content platforms because TikTok is very much a consumer video platform. So you can imagine a new set of capabilities being reoriented. I think also we've not really seen our big tech companies in Southeast Asia really acquire startups. And this could be an interesting continued evolution for teams to actually start buying capabilities as well. It's actually really hard to make it work. Like the culture, the integration, all of that stuff is like, non-trivial I think really half of all transactions are probably value destroying right like they sound good on paper but you can't get the teams to work together or the person who sponsored the deal left and then the whole thing falls apart I think really good acquisitions can be transformative right look at YouTube or look at Instagram but those tended to have been done earlier I'm trying to think of like really great acquisitions that happen when the things were already at scale because I think once you're big there is a kind of gravity to your culture and how you do things that it becomes really hard to change those things and maybe tiktok is nascent enough but they're going to be the operating leader actually so toko is the bulk of the gmb but tiktok shops management is the one that's going to be running the show right i think what's interesting is that in the ecosystem there haven't been that many acquisitions of smaller startups even in 50 mil to 100 to 200 300 mil for example uh, bucket range which is i think an important exit structure right in the u.s for a lot of outcomes so i think this is an interesting milestone honestly because a lot of the acquirers in southeast asia historically haven't acquired or if they do acquire they tend 
going to be conglomerates. And so they don't have that practice of being able to acquire and then run it or turn it around even, right, for the business. So I thought this is an interesting dynamic. Yeah, yeah. In fact, that's actually a good question for listeners, right? Have there been any tech of tech companies in Southeast Asia? I'm just thinking about it. I mean, what is it? Intuit bought Trade Gecko. Okay, so the US entity buying. Yep. God, we have to pull that Cento report. <laughs> Dimitri has a good list of them. It's like, Dimitri, come on. This battle's off the list. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, but I think the answer is not many, right? And this is not a long list anyway. So this is going to be an important dynamic. Yeah. What are the questions you have in your mind because of this meal? the future. I guess, does this apply to other markets is one question in my head. So, you know, Vietnam, the Philippines, Thailand, I'm just saying, would we see, for example, more consolidation in e-commerce and other players? That could be an interesting piece, right? Because if TikTok has pioneered this to some extent in Indonesia, you could imagine them replicating the structure and buying out local e-commerce platforms, right? I guess, but the question is like, would they have done this if they hadn't been shut out of the market? The answer is probably not at this rate and this price. But, you know, this would be something that could be, you know, in your toolbox, right? Because you could just start the process anyway. There's no harm starting the process to look at other companies, right? In the market. Yeah. I mean, if the price is fair, then it's just a leg up, right? Because you just onboard and bias onto the platform. So for the right price, you know, anything is great. I don't know. I think it takes, you need a moment in time, right? Because what's the logic, right? If you play it out, which is like, hey, we had a pretty good business and we're growing really fast. Why would we go take on someone else's business problems? We know how to operate our own business and we know how to grow it. Unless you're making a case that like, hey, for 500 million in cash, I'm buying 20 billion, 18 right. billion of GMP right. and the right to operate. Who? How can you even price the right to operate, right? Because like you said, the banner was zero. But in other markets, that's not true, right? You can still operate and you don't have to take on the integration burden of another thing. And you know that the GMV that you're taking on is negative contribution margin GMV. So like, what's the enterprise value of that? So yeah. I, I don't know. It is interesting. I mean, I think hopefully it, it makes more people think about consolidation. But then there's always just like, I think that plus like the worsening capital markets makes people more willing to do deals because they just can't count on another fund, another round of fundraising. But I think the flip that the game theory they have on this side is that you could say the other thing, which is, hey, we were forced to do this, but we've built out a capability. Let's just say fast forward a few more years. And we're pretty comfortable with integrating and turning around a business because we just have a better way of doing things. And if we were to do this again, this is, we have a built out a playbook and the integration teams, right? I mean, I used to work at Bain and I used to handle these post-merger integrations and acquisitions as well. And so it's a capability. And once you've done one, you're like, I could do a second one and third one. So the cost doesn't feel that painful, especially when you have the internal people who know how to do about it, how, where to cut the fat. And what's interesting is that, like you said, you never want to be in a position where you're betting at zero. Because, yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is I'm going to buy pre emptively so that I definitely have the right to operate locally because it's embedded and so so forth. And then I, I rather pay now for a price where I'm not in a tight bind yeah. rather than being in a position where, like you said, the badness is zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would be the way you frame it up, you know, internally, right? In terms of conversation. Makes sense. So seems like that's that. And maybe we'll circle back to this in the future if we have other thoughts about this. People are starting to downshift into the December holidays. I think I had a founder reach out to me and she was like, oh, I really need to fundraise. I want to fundraise now. And I was like, yo, this is not a good type to fundraise. Like, everyone's on holiday. I mean... Yeah, this is not a good time to fundraise. I would hold off until the new year to kick off a raise if you haven't started already and try to wrap up conversations if you have things in process, just to yeah. expect things to be slow over the next couple of weeks. But I would also just encourage people to really take time off for themselves. Yeah. I think parents of young children will appreciate this, but everyone, which is when you don't sleep, you don't function well. And when you like don't sleep or don't rest for long periods of time, that also degrades your performance. And so I think startups are like incredibly tiring. 
and just like taking the opportunity to like if you can't imagine taking a week off just take three days off right where you like literally put your out of office message on don't check your email and just unwind it'll take you at least 24 hours to stop thinking about your business anyway so you're not really even gonna have three days off right but like i just want to recommend that to people because it's really hard to have clear thinking when you're just exhausted and stressed and so buy yourself a little bit of time over the holidays just to unwind and think about next year and write down like one or two things that you really want to get done that are existential and don't stress about all the details just for three days give yourself permission to do that is what i would really encourage folks to do Ooh. so how are you winding down shian i'm going to the u.s i'm gonna i'm gonna stand hang out with family uh you know bake cookies Ooh. cut down a christmas tree all that good stuff i i have my out of office message ready to go you know the moment <laughs> i get on the plane I'm hitting the buttons. Oh, so that's me. How about you? What are you going to do, Jeremy? Also go to New York City with two kids, my wife and I. Uh, and we're going to enjoy, I think, some you know, snow as well. We probably won't cut down a Christmas tree, you know. You can get one from the corner store. You can get them on discount. Uh, it's getting uh, so close to Christmas. Yeah, I probably won't cut down a Christmas tree. I just never got into that whole tradition, right? I mean... Well, I've never up. done it before. Oh, this is also your first time. Yeah, yeah. I've never done it before, but I've been told you can buy a permit for $5 and then cut down your own tree. And my friend is going to lend me her saw. And so I told the kids about it. They're really excited. But then on reflection, I was like, probably I'm going to do most of the work. Like, I don't think <laughs> they're really going to be operating a saw. So I might have just shot myself in the foot with it this whole plan but i'm excited about it i think it'll be fun okay send me videos i will let you pioneer and be a singaporean too i mean it's it's just not a holiday tradition right i mean it's like christmas right it's like santa such a heavy coat there's no snow in the equator kind of thing right well my daughter has told me that she doesn't believe there's one santa yeah she believes there's multiple santas because it's impossible for one person to visit that wow. many houses in an evening wow this is actually not bad like the logic and then Catherine was like but he has magic reindeer it's just no mom like it's not possible so that's why she's like i think there must be one per like country or per territory like they they have to split it up because you know they only have one night which i thought was pretty amusing never mind all the other logistical problems or questions she had not asked herself right about the entire present operation so and her other question was how does santa know everything like about whether you're naughty or nice Ooh. CCTVs. That was her suggestion. Oh, really? She wow. said, is it the CCTV? And I was like, oh my God, this Singaporean child. <laughs> Just tell her it knows your phone is spying on you. How about that? That's Yeah, but my friend was saying like, you know, if they have too much skepticism, you ask them the reverse question, right? Which is like, what's more likely? Is there a global conspiracy of parents that all coordinated to maintain this fiction? Or there's a magical band? Ooh. Right? Because thinking about global conspiracy also seems pretty unlikely. So thinking about global conspiracy also seems pretty unlikely. This sounds like you're going to enter a Reddit rabbit hole of a conspiracy theorist. I, I, I'm going to remember that, but it feels like that's like a gambit, like last you know, move kind of thing, right? Unfortunately, uh, years are not quite at that age yet. So yeah, you've got I'll, a couple of years. I'll write down all these moves in the future. There we go. And I'll be like, you know what? The solution is blockchain for your privacy. There Stop. we go. Okay. On that note, thank you so much, Shiyan, for taking your time and uh, see you next time. Take it easy. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, 
resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave.